Hi, I'm Chief Bob Vasquez. And I'm Dr. Jose Lugo Santiago. Welcome to Leaders and Futures. Let us have a new kind of conversation, one about leading as futures emerge, are yet to happen, or plainly need to be reimagined. Someone has said that the best way to predict the future is to create it. Although it's impossible to predict the future, one thing is certain, you must lead in it. It's time to think differently about leading. This podcast is powered by the Institute for Leadership and Strategic Foresight. Let's get started with today's discussion on leaders and futures. Dr. Lugo, you're still there, man. Bam, chief, we're here. <laughs> you know, uh, it, we are ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 2024. The question, the question is, where are we going? Maybe we, we go? we'll talk about that later. First of all, we got to find out where where we think we're going, right? What the, we started talking about uh, envisioning, visioning, seeing, uh, all of that stuff last week, and uh, we said that there was a a process for developing this vision, these futures, and uh, and I I got to thinking last week because, and I think I hope you know that I pray for you and your family every day, and no, I was thinking you. about your dad because uh, I, I can see this Lugo, because you told me that you went to visit him and your mom and you opened the refrigerator and all there was all there was in the refrigerator was these uh, pecan pies and <laughs> not a good thing to be eating a lot of pecan pies uh, all the time so anyway I, I got that vision in my head but uh, but it got me to thinking because we were talking about my generation being loyal to the company more than the new generations. And I, I, I don't know because I've only met your dad once, but did your dad work for someone for a long time or, or did he yes, move my around dad a lot? Did. He's, a, he's yeah. probably a boomer, right? He's a boomer and he did work for, uh, for he was in a pharmaceutical, so he's a pharmaceutical professional and, and he worked for that company until he retired. You know, so yeah. he, he did, you know, like I think over 20 years or something like that. But I mean, look at us, right? We, I mean, I made what last last week we talked about generations, right? And and we took the different generations and what their what their some of the characteristics in this in regard to this process of you know visioning. Uh, so look look at me, you know. I mean, I I was a generation Xer, or I am, and but I spent in the military twenty seven years. You know, and then after that, I went and did other things. And so I think uh, we found ourselves maybe embracing some of their uh, values. Obviously, it's clear, right? Uh, because we're very loyal to uh, the, you know, the companies and stuff like that. And we're loyal to our team. You know, we there's other processes, right, that are maybe different than in his case as a as a civilian. Right in the military, it's all about the team, and we work about the team, and, and it's ingrained in us, and it's a great philosophy. We're in, in organizations, and when you think about organizations, organizations are truly a team of teams. You know, you got many different people doing many different things, and then we are a team of different teams. And, and uh, do you think that the younger generations think in those terms? You know, and I'm talking. What do they call them? X. I think that's the term, right? The Gen X. Well, we are Z. Z. Yeah. You guys are X. I get confused. You know, those mm. to me, those are labels, and I don't like labels. Right. Because even as we use labels, it's like you know, we say, "Oh, the the chief is a uh, Latino." Yeah, but uh, you know, there are some things that I don't do that Latinos do, or you know, we we would stereotype. But uh, but anyway, the young the young folks, uh, the last generation, 
do they think in those terms as well? You know, are they are, are they loyal to a company or are they loyal to themselves? Well, that is a what I would say is most of this most of this has been a who knows maybe a generation X uh, trying to figure this out. You know, we tried we try to explain the human phenomena, and most times we try to uh, encapsulate something into some kind of box so we can explain it, we can understand it, and then we can deal with many different things. The truth is that that everybody's but, but, different. But let me go before. Let me interrupt you though, mm -hmm. because what I said before was that you're exactly right. But our communication, at least initially, is from that box, because this is what I know. Well, I think that I, I can't really tell you what I don't know because I don't know. But if we, if we're going to be effective, we have to at least try to know. Maybe not what we don't know, but what they know. That would would mean everybody. Right, because I could be, I could be very embraced in very ingrained in technology, which is what we believe Gen Zs, right? We call them the digital natives, and and then then I will be speaking differently than than you, although our generations may be exactly the same. And so I think that uh, that the point here is it would be better for us not to categorize people in terms of generation, but in terms of what they know. And how you know what is their environment, and how we can you know find common ground in there to communicate. And I think that's a better position than trying to you know tell somebody you know okay you're old and I'm young, and because we are that way we cannot communicate. It's just not going to get us anywhere. It doesn't get anybody yeah. anywhere. Matter of fact, people get offended by that, right? Because right. there's because yeah. I know some boomers that are very entrepreneur. Uh, they're they understand technology. They're I guess geeks, right? Like you will call them, and uh, and then there's the other piece, right? That others that are not. And the same thing, you have some Generation Cs that are, yeah, yes, we will call them uh, digital natives, but but know very little about technology. And so yeah. we just, I think the best thing is to understand where people are at, and then go from there. You know, so, uh, and that's that's the best way to do understand the person and not trying to understand the label, and yeah. so that's be the so, best way. So, in in this envisioning process, is that where we start? What's the process? Do we start with? And, and I would say, as a more of a, I'll say I'm a character kind of guy, uh, an individualist kind of guy. I would say that's where we start with the individual. Well. Obviously, depending on where you are, right? If you're talking with a with a person, then then yes. If you're a leader in the organization, you're charged with the uh, with leading. If you are charged with leading, then you're not just talking about one person. You're talking about yourself. You're talking about two, three, four, five, six, seven, and and all of you had to uh, that that leader has to influence how everybody thinks about the future because in as you know. Uh, wanted or not, a leader is in the position of negotiating the future. That's basically what it is. We are here, but we're going to go on, on that side. And why is that a good place to be? Because we are going to be in a better position and you are able to explain the benefits of it. Now, you mentioned that is a process. Yes, it's a process. And what is the process? I think uh, we posted something in 
in LinkedIn in the uh, Lugo Santiago Enterprise Group uh, in, in the company website. And, uh, and, and I did that uh, uh, talking with the team about what would be good for us to have, you know, uh, as we begin the year. And that is to envision what the future is going to be. And, and, and we, we put there, uh, we had like five different places to, or, to start. And it is a simplified version, but first you got to envision what these three scenarios are going to be about the future. And normally with organizations, we envision five scenarios, but let's start, let's keep it simple. Right, you're the leader of our organization. I need to, you know, work with my team to go somewhere. So do this. Number one, envision three scenarios. You know, the status quo, the present, and uh, it's a a better place and and not so good place. And these places are possible. So you're looking at the scenario. You're looking at the trends, and you're looking at the news. You're keeping track of these things, so you should be able to see uh, if status quo is a future or not you know, five years from now, four years from now, even a year from now. And then after that, then you select out of these three places, maybe the place in the middle or the place that is going to be the future that is based on what you see. And then you build a story about that future. Who are we, who's going to be in that future? Who are the, what are the major players? What are they doing? What is your team doing? What is your team facing? How are you solving those problems? How are you having difficulty solving the problems? Why are you having difficulty those problems? Now, have uh, difficulty solving those problems. And the reason why that is important is because as you're looking at the future and you are you you are thinking through those processes, you discover. Wait a minute. You know, two years from now, if we do not recruit these particular skills, we're not going to be able to deal with this and that. Uh, we need to send Johnny and Sarah to get this particular training or me as a leader, I need to be more invested here and my team needs to be invested in here. So now you start partitioning what each one of you are going to be doing in relation to responsibilities. So the team has the robustness to deal with the problems. And then you start getting into goals. Okay. What are the overarching goals? And once you build these overarching goals, then you distill those goals into tasks and then you get into the task management. But what I see with a lot of organizations is that they get into the task management and then they, then they try to, you know, uh, achieve a, some kind of vision, but they're not going to get there because they got, uh, they had an altitude, what I call an altitude problem. They were way into the weeds, you know, very low in, in in the valley. And instead of getting into the mountain and seeing the last the landscape and then being able to see in the landscape, then you can really plan. You can see the geography. You can see, well, we're going to have to climb that mountain. We're going to need this particular piece of equipment. We're going to need this. We're going to need a person to guide us over there. And that person needs to have a compass. And that person is going to have, forget about the compass, you know, by then, we're already, we're going to have GPS. Okay, that GPS is going to... So all of these things we know because we're being able to go through this process and rather than getting into task management and then trying to go somewhere. The fact is, when you get into the to-do list, that's why to-do lists are not good as long as those to-do lists are not part of a you know cascade process, right? But when you get into the to-do list, you get into that task management and sooner or later you'll find out 
that a lack of altitude begins to uh, eat out your time because you're constantly in crisis crisis mode because there's so many wild cards and things that happen in your environment. You're unable to see it because you're just too focused on task management. So again, the process, right? Envision at least three scenarios. Select that future. Get smart. You know, these these the goals that, that we do. Plan for that. Those and, you know, some of these scenarios that may be closer to each other. And then uh, have your team reflect constantly about, about their journey, what they're doing, uh, how they are uh, acquiring skills, uh, how they solve problems. Was it effective? Was it not effective? And then continues to recycle that. Your team gets better. And I have seen with many organizations that we have helped over the years that when they follow this process, they look back. And now they're in the mountain, in the mountaintop, right? They're now in the mountaintop and they look back. It's like, wow, look where we are. A lot of times it's kind of hard to see that because they're constantly you know, solving problems. But when they look back, we like to say when they look back, I like to say is when they get altitude, right? They, now they go from the, from the tasking, you climb the mountain and they look back and they look forward and they say, wow, look where we are. And this feels great. As a matter of fact, now that we see more, that's where we're going. That's power. That's, uh, that's the power of vision. The, but, the way the path to the mountain Lugo is not straight up. It's never. It's gonna it's gonna veer here, there. You gotta go around this way, got whatever. The landscape as as you the, the word that you use, all of that stuff. And in my experience, uh, I've been in so many organizations in my life, Lugo, that we we meet up for an offsite every year. Mm -hmm. Okay, between the offsites, a lot of stuff happens. And we never we never do uh, go back periodically to see are we doing okay? What happened? Because as you say, you know, especially the, the the present man moves so quickly, it changes so quickly, you know. And I mean, I don't. Although we you you and I have talked about AI being around since the fifties, but all of a sudden we think we have AI. That's been uh, you know a, a, what they call a game changer. Well, it's probably because more people are are are, are, are noticing it. You know, they, it's there now. So all of a sudden, we say all of a sudden, but it's not all of a sudden. But nonetheless, Lugo, I think if you have that, yeah, and you know, I'm into uh, mountaintop experiences. But you gotta go back and realize, especially as a leader, I think, when are we gonna meet up between now and then to see how we're doing. Because I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm the follower. I'm with the bottom. I'm just doing what I'm told. I, if, and, you know, when we talk about people and emotional intelligence in particular, the, the more I know that I'm succeeding, the better I'm going to do because I like that. I, I like that feeling of succeeding. But if you're going to, it's like, what do we, like the F word, the, the bad F word, feedback. If you don't give me feedback for a year, I may screw up for a whole year thinking I'm doing really well. And you're thinking, boy, this guy sucks. And then at the end of the year, you fire me. Well, you know, I did my best because you didn't give me any feedback. I didn't know that I was, I wasn't on the right path. So, I, does that make some sense that we, as a leader, you need to, yeah, okay, if you're going to do it every year, whatever, but you got to have periods between here and there to talk about this, to assess this, to measure this. Are we on the right track? Has anything changed? Because, like you said, you have three scenarios, right? Three futures that that, that may happen. Well, how do we know unless we tell people? Yeah, we're simplifying, right? We, if you're gonna do this right, you don't you don't want to do three futures, right? You you want to look, you want to explore four or five futures. Uh, 
but the the situation that you that you're talking about that a lot of things happened you know in in, in the present and all of that stuff and, and then things puts us out of the way that is an indication that the process of visioning that was not done right because when it is done right you have seen that and that process the, the situation you mentioned there was was a a process of visioning supposedly visioning that was done looking back instead of looking forward and so this is what i mean when you do that process right you are envisioning all of these issues that you see and so as you are moving into the futures because they they move and there's you got to understand there's actors in the space and wherever you are operating they may change different things but you know their capabilities and you're able to see what they're changing and so as you move forward, it's just like your GPS, you're all of a sudden you see, oh, I'm going to see, you know, that, you know, in 3.1 miles, I'm going to see that. Oh, there it is. Uh, I'm in the right track. And then, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this, this, there's a, on this road, there's a propensity for accidents. And you, and you see that the GPS adjusts for that. And so the same thing happens to us when we are going, and I could tell you, I could tell you several organizations that, that we have helped and, and what they have seen is as we are going through all of something, all of a sudden something happens and we say, oh, we already saw this happening because we went through the process of visioning and in the process of visioning, we also saw that this person bought this capability and they built an alliance. We saw that this particular organization developed this a particular technology. We saw that this kind of stuff in the economy was going to happen. And then we were able to adjust. And that is a part of, of that process. So uh, again, uh, you are able to see it. It may not be able to see every single detail, but there's a lot that you can see. And based on that, then you're able to, to uh, again, we're not trying to predict the future. This is no, no way to do that. But at least what you're able to do is to make an informed you know, uh, inform action processes and so on. Give you one more example. So there is this in, in this process, obviously anybody who done project management, they know that uh, one of the things that we do when we're building projects, right? It's a multi-million dollar problems, uh, projects. They can have multi-million dollar problems. One of the things that we do is what we call an FMEA. It's a failure modes and effects analysis. So what is an failure modes and effect analysis? You'll see it in the project management plan is a table. And in that table, we talk about uh, what could be the, the failure modes that can, that, you know, problems that could happen that can derail. And then we talk about what is the probability that that would happen. If that happens, what is the impact? And do we have processes that can detect those types of issues? And so then we run a full, a full a failure mode and effect analysis, and then we know what would be the, you know, the major issues, the probably the top ten. And so when something happens in the future, we're able to look at it and say, oh, you know, this thing is happening. Oh, wait a minute. We go to our failure mode and effect analysis, and we look. Oh yeah, we already already knew this was going to happen, and we already have a countermeasure in place to deal with that situation. That's visioning you know that's the that's how you do it man you, I, you've got so i've got so many thoughts in my my head uh lugo on this uh this uh, episode you got uh 
my head is about to explode <laughs> from all of these. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna take me a week to figure out what you just said, and I may have to uh, listen to this uh, several times. But uh, I'm glad you know what the heck you're talking about. Uh, I'm not that dumb. I I got a good idea. Yes. Uh, however, as uh, as we finish out the, this episode. Uh, you're available. We have a team available to help organizations, right? All they got to do is get in touch with the, the Institute and, um, and you know, we'll, we'll figure out what, what you all need, what we need to help you out. And we're here to serve you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and they can, you know, they, they can, uh, they can find us uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, you send us a message in there, contact one of us and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely uh, help you out, especially during this time, right? Uh, there's a lot of people use a lot of books out there. It's always good to have a coach, even even uh, I would say, as you know, every even gold medalists have coaches. Oh, so people have to do that uh, all by themselves. And sometimes you're in your organization, you see something, and it's always good to bring somebody else that can see what you can't see and give you a different you know point of view. Yeah. And uh, and so that's that's always very beneficial. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, until next week, Lugo, you have a great week. Uh, don't work too hard. I know you're a workaholic. I don't know who mm. taught you to be that. Uh, <laughs> I'm but... just excited about what I do. And then it okay. needs to be done too. <laughs> it, it needs to be. Uh, yeah, indeed. And I think my wife, Debbie is upstairs saying uh, something to the same effect. It needs to be done. So I better get out of here before I'm not available next week. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you then chief. Be good. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope today's topic connected with you and help you reflect on the work leaders do to get out of a narrow focus on one future and into a broader range of possible alternatives. If you'd like to connect with us, find us at leadersandfutures.com. And if you would like to learn more about leadership and future studies, we have several programs to help you at the Institute for Leadership and Strategic Foresight. Until next time, be great.